Good morning. I want to join with the elders in welcoming everyone here today. And uh, we especially welcome you if you're a visitor. We're glad that you came. We hope that you uh, are benefited this morning. This morning, uh, we're, we're studying over the last chapter in James, James chapter 5. And uh, if you've been with us on the previous chapters, you'll know that several times it was mentioned that James is kind of like Proverbs, and then it seems almost like it kind of jumps around a little bit from topic to topic. But as we went through, we found several steady streams, and today in James chapter 5, I think it really kind of brings a lot of things together. It brings a message in that will unite everything that we've talked about and will help each and every one of us as Christians. And that message is that we persevere. You know, in James chapter 1, he started out by talking to us about trials. He said that, you know, you're going to have these trials, you're going to face them. And yes, you're going to make them through them. But even more than that, you can benefit from these trials. You can grow in strength from these trials. He talks about how to handle these trials. He talks about things that can hurt us moving on into the books. Temptations. Other types of trials. Things that slow us down. Things that weigh on us. He talks about partiality. He talks about faith without works. He talks about our tongue, pride, worldly wisdom. But in James chapter 5, he starts out with something that is uh, another trial that we face. And he moves on into this message of perseverance. And this morning, I want to study through James chapter 5 with you. And I think as we study this, we're going to see something that we can all help, help us in our lives because we all go through these trials. We all go through these temptations. So if you have a Bible with me this morning, go ahead and open it up to James chapter 5, and let's try to study through this together. <clears throat> the, uh, the first couple of verses here in the New King James says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Verse 4 through 6 says, Indeed, the wages of the laborer who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. You read through this and you think about it, and I think we can all relate to these thoughts. We can all relate to this type of thing. Um, if you look here, well, I guess you don't look here. I had some pictures on here, and I guess they didn't transfer. I had three pictures, things that I think we'll all recognize. With One was a picture, uh, it was from a Disney cartoon. It was a lion, he's wearing a crown, and he was Prince John from the Disney cartoon Robin Hood. Prince John was a tyrant. He was out getting taxes from the little man, he was, he was just robbing them blind with it. He was living high on the hog. And no one could do anything to stop him. The other picture I had was a man named Hugh Hefner. Many people are familiar with his face. They've seen it on magazine covers and such. He's the owner of Playboy Mansion. He's someone who corrupts young women. He puts their pictures out there. He does terrible things. And he lives high on the hog. He seems richly blessed. Another picture was 
of a man named Pablo Escobar. I don't know if you remember him or not. He was killed several years back. But he was a drug lord in South America. He sold drugs. They, they estimated that he was worth about $30 billion in U.S. dollars. We see people like this all the time. We, we see them and you're like, these guys don't have any worries. But they're not doing the right thing. They're living in sin. They're, they're terrible people. But they seem to be blessed so richly. They don't look like they have any worries. They don't look like they have any fears. Maybe you bring it a little bit closer to home. You, you think about someone who has abused the system. And maybe they live off of the taxes of others just because they found a loophole. And they don't work. And you get upset with them and you think, you know what? I work hard. I try to do the right things. I struggle to do the right things. Even when I see places where I could do something bad and benefit from it, I don't do it. And yet, I'm still working hard. It makes you angry. It makes you upset. And here he said, weep and well. He said, the Lord of Sabbath has heard your cries. You know, we see those things and we start getting upset and we start getting emotional. But his message here is, hold on a minute and take a look at these people. Take a look at what the Lord's going to do. Oh, there's Prince John. There's Pablo Escobar. And there's Hugh Hefner. <laughs> I just had to hit the button again. But Luke chapter 16 and verse 19 through 31 relates a very similar story. I'm not going to read through that today, but I think we all have, have heard this story before. It's the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Jesus was telling this story. And he said that there was a, a poor man named Lazarus. He was a beggar. And he was starving to death. And he came to a rich man's house and he begged the rich man, Please, may I have the scraps off of your table? The, the things that you feed your dog... That's all I want. I just want the scraps. And the rich man said, no, get out of here. And they left him at the gate. And it said the dogs came out and they licked his sores. And it said, time goes by and Lazarus, the poor man, died. Time goes by and the rich man died as well. And they both go to a place of waiting. And Lazarus was there with Abraham and the rich man was on the other side of a great divide in a place of torment. And I guess it was really hot there. And the rich man begged Lazarus from across the divide. He said, Lazarus, please dip your finger in water and reach it across. And just, just put a little bit of water on my tongue. Please, just, just a little, just a tiny drop. That's all I want. And Abraham said, you know, you had your good things in life. And Lazarus had his poor things. And now Lazarus has his good things and you have your bad things. And you see an example of God's judgment. God who is a righteous judge. You go to Psalms chapter 72 and verse 4. It says, He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. And He will break in pieces the oppressor. You know, God will render justice. We think about these people and we tend to get upset. We tend to get angry, but they'll be weeping and howling. They'll be in misery. We see these injustices. 
we feel like we've been in justice, but we haven't. We haven't been in justice at all. And if you go to James 5 and verse 7 through 9, the next bit, that's what he addresses. He says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He said, be patient and establish your hearts. The word establish means to make stable or to strengthen. And you think about all the places in the Bible where we've been warned about our heart. It says your heart will mislead you. You know, lean not into your own understanding. You know, when you, when you think about things that are unjust, what does your heart do? It starts giving out these emotions of anger, of, of depression even. You get down, not wanting to continue on. But he says you need to shore up your heart. You need to give it strength. Don't let your heart guide you into these emotions, but instead guide your heart. Strengthen it up. Tell your heart. It's going to be okay. God is just. We're going to make it through. I don't want to be like that because they're going to have their own reward. That's not a reward we want. You've got to strengthen your heart. You've got to establish your heart. He says, don't grumble against one another. Uh, One of the things that we talked about earlier in James, in James chapter 2, was about uh, equality. It was about partiality. You know, uh, I guess one of the problems they had then was that people wanted to show partiality to someone who was richer or poorer. You know, someone would come in, they'd say, here, have a nice seat here. But James earlier on said, you know what, don't, don't get upset with anyone and don't show partiality to anyone, whether they're rich or they're poor. It doesn't matter. We're all equal in the sight of God. And you think about this as it relates to this right here. You know, when we come in here, it doesn't matter how much money you have. We've all been blessed with one thing in common. The blood of Christ. Because Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all got sin in our lives. We've all made mistakes. And we all need Jesus. That's a blessing that is richer than any amount of money. And any amount of comfort on earth. And you go back and you look at people that we discussed. And you recognize, you know what? They may seem like they're in comfort or something. But they're in the same boat as we are. They have sin in their lives. They need Jesus. You can get upset all you want, but it's not going to help because they're in the same boat as you. You're just going to get yourself upset. You're just going to get yourself bitter. You need to establish your heart. You need to strengthen your heart and guide your heart. You look up here, he says, don't grumble against one another. When we come in here, we're all in that same boat. We're here to strengthen our hearts and strengthen each other's hearts. We're not any different. You move on a little bit and he says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. He said, You've heard of the perseverance of Job. Do you remember Job? Going back to the Old Testament, there's an entire book dedicated to a story of one man. And he talks about the perseverance of Job. And what happened to Job was quite terrible. Satan was looking for someone to tempt. And, and he walked around and, and he came up to God and God said, My man Job will not falter. 
And so Satan went and he tempted Job. And Job's house burnt down. And his children were killed. And his livelihood was stolen where he made his money, the money that he had. He was stricken with boils from head to toe. His wife turned against him and his friends false accused him. Within a very relatively short period of time, all these things happened to him. And I can't, <laughs> I can't really even imagine this right here. I've got a son who's 18 months old as of yesterday. And I lost, if I lost him, <laughs> I don't know what kind of state I would be in. I love my wife dearly. And if she turned her back on me, I don't know what kind of state I would be in. I know how upset I would be if I lost my job. I know how much I would be pulling my hair out if my house burned down. And I know how uncomfortable it can be to have just a a cut or something. I've never had a boil, but can you imagine being struck with them from head to toe? Job had questions. Job was definitely tempted. And you want to talk about a man who's down, even when his friends showed up, they came up and they said, Job, what did you do? We know you did something wrong, Job. And Job said, I didn't do anything. These were his friends. But you know what Job did? Job praised God. He said, naked came I into this world, and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job didn't do it by himself. You know, this whole time when Job's going through this stuff, you know what he did? He started praying. He started talking to God. Why? How come? What do I do? Where should I go? He talked to God about it all through there. And coming up in just a couple verses, that's what we are told to do. Now you get to... You get to Romans 8 and 28, and it says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, and to those who are called, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. We've heard this verse many times, and we think about this, and you relate it to what we've we've talked about. And you think, you know what? At the time when Job lost his house and he lost his children. And he lost his wife and his friends. And he was hurting and he was in pain. I don't think he was thinking this. I don't think Job was sitting, well, it's going to work out okay. (laughs) But it did. Job got his house back. He got his livelihood back. As a matter of fact, he got more. He got more children. I heard someone a while back that we were actually discussing this. And he said, well, you know... It's not a replacement. No, it's not. You can never replace someone like that. And whenever you have trials like these, you better believe you're going to have scars. Whenever you face temptations and sometimes you fall on your face, you better believe you're going to have scars. But when it says things work out good for those that are called, it will. Go back up to what we talked about. The Lord is a righteous judge. In the end, the good things will go to those who had bad. Bad things will go to those 
who had good and didn't get it the way God had them intended to. You know, you, you think about this and you think that it's easy to stand up here and say it. And it is. And I'm having trouble conveying my, my feelings with this one right here because I know that whenever someone comes up and you've you felt down, someone comes up when you're hurt and they pat you and they say, it's going to be okay. It'll work out. Time heals things. God has a plan for you. It doesn't feel like it right then. You know, James talks about all these trials and whenever you just hear it and it sounds so flippant, it doesn't sound real. And any one of you who's lost a loved one or has suffered and struggled with depression, you recognize this. You recognize that a simple word doesn't really, doesn't really feel like it hits home. You know, the simple words that, that say it's going to be okay, they don't feel like it's going to hit home because it doesn't feel like it's going to be okay. And a lot of times when we feel those things, we have a tendency to say, you know what, your words aren't helping me, just go away. We have a tendency to kind of shell back in and, and, and step back and say, you know what, you're not helping me, you're, you're making it worse, or, or you're not helping me, and, and so just stop. But James has a different plan here. He has different instruction. And, and whenever you shell yourself up like that, you're losing a big step that helps you heal and helps you grow past these trials. And so let's, let's go on a little bit further. Do not grow weary in well-doing. And when you're shelled up, you're feeling down, you're hurt, don't stop. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't close down. Don't step backwards and say, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to get out there and try again. So don't go weary in well-doing. You need help. You go to James 5 and verse 12, and he kind of steps in somewhere, and I, I talked to Matt about this because I was going, does James have Tourette's? <laughs> and Matt said, you know, you think about the way, they, the way their language barriers are different, and, and it really helped me when he talked about this because I wasn't really thinking about it this way. But so you think about their language barriers are different and the way they put together their, their thoughts and their sentences. And it seems like right in the middle of all this, James had another thought, but it's an important one. He says, but above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Don't swear. You don't need some oath to, to confirm your word. You know, if you say something, let it be the truth. Be honest about it. You don't need to swear on anything so that people will know you're telling the truth. Be consistent, and they'll know you're telling the truth. It's as simple as that, but it's important. And so James instructed us in this. But then he moves on, back to what we were talking about. In James 5, verse 13 through 15, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Something I thought about when I read this was, you know, this all hinges off of something very important. 
It hinges off of trust. Let's take Matt, for example, if you don't mind, Brother Matt. Matt is an elder here. And let's say I have a problem. I've got something going on in my heart and I need help. James instructed me to go to Matt, go to Yancey and talk to them. If I don't know Matt very well, if I don't know Yancey very well, how am I going to talk to them? You don't go up to strangers on the street and say, hey, I've got a problem. You don't go to people you don't know and say, look, I've got something inside me that I know I'm doing wrong. I know I've messed up. I'm embarrassed. I feel guilty. I feel dirty. No. But you do talk to someone who you really, really trust. You do talk to someone who you've got to know well enough to know that they're not going to condemn you. They're not going to judge you. They're going to say, let me help you. I love you. I've been there too. We can work through this. You know, talking about Job, he didn't do it on his own, he prayed. And this is the instruction we're given. Open up a line of communication with God. If you're suffering, pray. If you're happy, be happy. Sing songs. If you're sick and... You know, I think we've heard this used many times talking about if you're physically sick. But if you look at this, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. He's talking about your soul here. He's talking about your heart. He says that when you get down, when you feel sick in the pit of your stomach, when you feel like you know you've been doing something wrong, when you feel like you've messed up, When Matt prayed, he said that many times we fall short. Many times we we mess up, we make mistakes. And we do. We're humans. But when you get in the habit of that, it starts sapping your strength. And you get sick as a Christian. And you need help. That's when you need to get to know your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's when you need to recognize that it doesn't matter where you came from or what your background is, we are all equal here. We are all in the same boat. We're all here to help each other. The next thing he goes on to say is confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Prayer is powerful. But once again, it's not just the elders that we're to talk to. He said, confess your faults to one another. And if I don't know Michael, if I don't know Jeremy, if I don't know Brother Dusty, I can't talk to them. We need to spend time with each other. We need to spend time getting to know each other. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, we've heard this verse many times, but he says that we need to get to know each other. He says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as as many do, but instead exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In verse 24, he said, 
that we need to exhort one another and provoke one another to love and to good works. And I thought about that, provoking someone. <laughs> I grew up with an older brother. And uh, let me tell you, I know how to provoke my older brother. And he knows how to provoke me. And you know why we know? It's because we spend a lot of time together. If I want to provoke Dusty to good works and to love, I've got to get to know him. If I want to know how to push his buttons and help him to cheer up, I've got to get to know him. If Dusty doesn't spend time around me, he doesn't even know when I'm sad. Because we all put on masks. We all try to hide hurt. We all try to hide guilt. We all try to hide shame. It doesn't come natural to just show it. It's not something we do. But there is help. We have a family here. People that love and care for you. People that look at you and they see someone that God loves. Someone that Jesus died for. Someone that when they're down will reach out and say, let me help you up. And so when they see you down, they want to help you up. We need to spend time together as a family. And then we can encourage and lift one another up. Then we can talk to one another. Then we can pray for one another. When we know what's going on in each other's lives, we can pray for each other. When we don't, how do I know? The next thing he says here, says, Brethren, if anyone among you is wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We all have a responsibility to each other. We're all in the same boat. You got to get to know your brothers so that you can reach out to them as well. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you need help, but a lot of times it's someone around you. Brother Yancey put it very well. He says, We all come here with a cup. He said, Sometimes our cup is full and we have something we can pour out with someone else. Sometimes we come with an empty cup and we need filling. Brothers and sisters, we have trials, we have temptations. Everything that James talks about is true. Sometimes we get down and sometimes we get sad. Sometimes we get weary. But here in James chapter 5, he said, you can make it. He says, you can reach the goal. He says, you deal with it right now. You strengthen your heart. You don't shut people out but you reach out for those who care for you and you reach out to those who need you and you're going to make it. You can grow from these trials. You can rise above these temptations and we can see Jesus. We can get there. And this morning, if you feel down, if you feel tired, if you feel like you've tried and you tried and you tried, and you just don't know if you can try again. You can. And we want to help you. No one here wants to judge you. We're all in the same place. We've all needed the hand ourselves. And so all we want to do is give you our hand. Come forward as we sing the invitation song, please. We want to help you.